bring all the raw food you can bring. All the raw Amen. Food, all the raw meat. And we will watch it. Something happened to it. Uh, last night, yesterday, there was a wedding. And it was announced before. But uh, it was intended to be a very private closed wedding with just a few people there. And so, um, to honor the couple, we went ahead and did that yesterday. And so, Mari and Eric are now officially married. Amen. Congratulations to them. Now, I was talking to Mari last night, and I, uh, I said, you know, Mari, I kind of suspected somebody didn't want to say anything. And she said, how do you know? I said, I don't know. It wasn't from, it wasn't, it was Eric. I, I suspected something because of Eric. And she kept it really quiet. She was very good, like a real spy. Did not disclose who she was and what was going on, but... Uh, Eric had some little clues about um, something going on, but I didn't want to say anything. So and when he called uh, from El Paso saying that they're going to get married, I thought, well, it's about time. <laughs> and so uh, it was a it was a good good day yesterday. Um, things were kind of funny because of uh, delays with the crowds at Magic Island, but then later on, when they were taking pictures, there was a full moon. They came up just behind the Hilton Wine Village. It's a really nice thing. The moon came up full, and it was perfect. It was nice. And so congratulations to both of you. And uh, don't say anything to Mark because she's very shy. Okay, Just say, hey, Mary, Mark, bye. All right. That's a good course that Francis will lead us in. It's a real good course. Okay, it's in the hymnals or on the bank seat. He owns, or God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Stand up, in the presence of Jesus. 
But I think I think you're the older one because you're better looking. Turn to Acts chapter 1. Continuing on our alphabetical topical study, or I should say a topical study in alphabetical order, we're on W, so we're getting toward the end. Acts chapter 1. Let's look at verse 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. The uh, pastor talked about being in the mood to teach after that last song we sang. Um, no, it doesn't put you in the mood to teach, it puts you in the mood to preach. Yes. <laughs> uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So we're on letter W, and I'm going to give you a message about witnessing, witnessing. Notice in that verse, Jesus told the disciples that they would be witnesses unto him, witnesses. And so we use that term because it is a Bible term. We use that term when it talks about about us giving people the gospel, telling people how to be saved. Uh, you can call it evangelizing. Some people call it soul winning, uh, spreading the gospel. And I'm going to focus more on one-on-one -on -one witnessing, but uh, we do call it witnessing because of this verse and other verses in the Bible. Hey, what is a witness? A witness, if you think of a court of, a court of law, if they call somebody up to the witness stand as a witness, and you have the prosecuting attorney or the defense attorney and the um, cross-examination, all that. They have witnesses to testify of something that they have seen or heard or both. That is what a witness is. And that's why Jesus said that they would be witnesses unto him because they are supposed to testify what they have seen, what they have heard, specifically his resurrection. They're supposed to go out and tell people, you know what, we, we followed this guy and we've solved the miracles that he performed. But more importantly, what we saw was that he rose from the dead. Everybody knows that he was crucified, but we have seen him. He, he, is, he rose from the dead and we're here to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ that he, he is the Messiah. He is the one who was prophesied in the Old Testament. He is the one who died on the cross and he died for your sins. And so we are witnesses unto him. And every believer is supposed to be a witness unto Jesus Christ. It's not just supposed to be the pastor or, or the deacons or a few, a few of the church leaders or somebody like that. In the Bible, it's, it wasn't just the disciples or the apostles who went out and witnessed and, and spread the gospel. Uh, the Bible talks about different believers. They would get saved and then they would go and they would go and they would tell people That's right. what happened to them and they would tell people how to be saved. And so God, the Bible or God does not want just a handful of people in the local church to be the witnesses. It's not just the pastor or his right-hand man or somebody like that that goes out and, and does all the work and, and then the rest of the church, they just come on Sunday morning and, 
and hear the message. Sadly, though, that is the truth. That is the case in many churches. And if more Christians would go and witness like they're supposed to, undoubtedly we would see the church membership grow and we would see greater influence of of the gospel and and Christian and living and morals and all those things throughout the world. Uh, I'm going to tell you some give you some verses here. You don't have to turn to them, but in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, Jesus commanded, he said, go and teach all nations. Go and teach all nations. In this verse right here, in Acts chapter one, verse eight, notice that when he says they will be witness unto him, he says both in Jerusalem, so that's where they are, their immediate locality, and in all Judea, they, then they spread out, and in Samaria, spread out some more, and into the uttermost part of the earth, then they go all over. So you start where you are. Start where you are. And then you branch out. Start where you are. Where are you? Well, uh, geographically, you know, where do you live? Or where is our church? We're right here in Honolulu. That's why if we're, if we're going to go have a ministry, go door to door and try to evangelize and spread the gospel, we want to reach people that hopefully will be able to come here to the church and be discipled and be part of the church. Doesn't make sense that we that we send missionaries to across the seas before we start trying to reach people the gospel right here where we are. Now, where are you individually? Your acquaintances, your coworkers, your family, your relatives. Where are you? Okay, that's where you can apply that verse personally to you. Where are you? You need to, where is your Jerusalem? Your Jerusalem is your immediate vicinity where you are. It could be your workplace. It could be your home. It could be your family. It could be your neighborhood. You see, and so um, you need to start where you are, just like that verse right there. Jesus said, uh, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Uh, doesn't want us to just focus on one little group here. You know, I hear a lot of people, they, they, have ministries and and they'll minister to the homeless community the down and outers and and for some reason they think that there's this this type of um of group of people this uh demographic that needs the gospel more than every the average person well, that's not true everybody needs the gospel yeah everybody now it is true some of those people they might be more accepting of the gospel, more receptive, I should say, uh, because of their situation. Uh, but I've been involved in different public ministries and things, and, and we've we've had many times, you know, street preaching and passing out tracts and personal one-on-one witnessing and all kinds of styles of, of giving out the gospel. And we've heard so many people, they just look like the average person, the, the, the your average self-righteous person, and they'll tell us, I remember we were at um, this this one location, and we would have people say, "Oh, you guys are in the wrong place. You need to go down there." And they'd point to this place where there there was bars and strip clubs and stuff like that. And they said, "Why don't you guys go down there? They're the ones who need it." <laughs> you see, that's the that's the mindset of the average American. Oh, they don't need it because they're not a criminal. They're not. A drug addict, they're not this, they're not that, they they have their life together, they're not a bad person. We need to take the gospel down to this other demographic, this other uh, type of um, person in the community and people living in a certain lifestyle because they're the ones who need it. You know, the, 
people they they look at they think the church is kind of like uh, an AA meeting or something, support group, self help type of thing. That's the way they view it. And a lot of churches they view themselves like that. Oh, we need to go minister to this group because they really need help. Well, no, it's just not you know we're not offering humanitarian aid. You know we're offering the gospel to lost sinners. Right. People Amen. need to hear the gospel. Amen. People need to hear the gospel. The Bible says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The Bible says, how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall Amen. they preach if they're not sent? And all of those things in, in Romans. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to, the, to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. Amen. Jesus said, he that is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall I be ashamed. Of him also shall, shall I be ashamed, or, or he shall be ashamed, talking about himself, when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Some Christians, sadly, it's sad to say, they are ashamed of Jesus Christ. They are ashamed of the gospel. Now, I'm going to give you some... First of all, I'm going to give you some reasons why Christians don't witness. Why Christians don't witness. And then I'm going to give you some helpful tips that will help you when you are witnessing. So a lot of practical things this morning. Okay, So I've already established the, the need for witnessing and spreading the gospel and things like that. So why don't Christians witness? Why don't they witness? There's many reasons why Christians don't witness. Some Christians don't witness because they are worried about what people will think. That is true. Grown adults, they are afraid of what people will think about them. Or they are afraid of ridicule. Some Christians, they think, well, if I witness, a lot of it is um, younger Christians, but not necessarily always younger Christians. They think, well, if I witness to a co-worker or somebody that, that I know that knows me and I see them on a regular basis, not just a complete stranger. If I witness to them and they find out I'm a Christian, what will they think about me? What will they tell other people? What will they tell my other co-workers? They're going to think that I'm one of these religious oddballs, one of these whatever they're going to ridicule me. They might make fun of me. What if they don't accept it? What if they argue? What, what, what are they going to think about me? And so a lot of Christians, because of that, they view witnessing as being socially awkward because of what people might think about them. Now, as a Christian, you that should not be a hindrance to you witnessing. Right. What people think of you know, hopefully people will think you're a Christian. <laughs> wow. Oh, that's so terrible, isn't it? <laughs> they might think you're a Christian. Well, hopefully they will think you're a Christian. But see, people think if they know I'm a Christian, they, you know, they, they're going to talk about me and this and that. And, and um, they're going to make fun of me, maybe. They're going to ridicule me. And so for actually for some people, that is a really big deal. And it should not be. Here's another reason why people don't witness Christians, and maybe this is, especially for younger Christians, this might be a, a, the a biggest, big, biggest reason, and it, 
I would say to, a, to a, an extent it is legitimate. They feel unequipped. They feel unequipped. I mean, think about it. When you first got saved, did you feel like you had enough Bible knowledge to go and start witnessing to people? Probably not. Maybe you had the, the zeal and the desire to, but did you really have the Bible knowledge? And so some people, they think, you know, I, I want to witness, but but I don't really, I don't know how. And, and I don't know enough about the Bible because, I mean, to actually tell somebody this is really a deep subject and the implications of it and and the anybody who has half a brain is going to start asking questions and i don't think that i know the bible well enough to answer the quest those questions to their satisfaction and i just don't feel like i'm equipped i don't feel like i could actually start turning in the bible to these different verses and show them about salvation and their need for salvation and how Christ died for their sins and all of those things. I, I, I know how I was saved and I know, you know, a few of the, the, the basics and the gist of it, but I feel like if I try to witness to somebody and they start asking questions, I'm really going to look foolish and I can understand that mindset. Now, a few things to, to help you if, if you're in that situation is um, you can always you can always just tell somebody how you got saved. You can give your testimony of salvation instead of having to turn through all these passages and and get into this lengthy discussion and all those things. You can at least tell somebody how you got saved. You know there are places in the Bible where people they got saved and they went out and they told other people. Um, it looks it, appear, it appears like they did it almost immediately. There's passages in the Bible where uh, although it's not talking about witnessing and salvation, but you can use it as an application there. Remember when Jesus healed the blind man and the Pharisees were uh, ridiculing him and, and um, you know, he was, they were trying to say that, that he didn't really heal him or trying to criticize him for something. They kept going to the guy and then they went to his parents the parents said, well, he's, he's old enough. Why don't you go ask him? Why are you asking us? And and if you read the story, you can see that the, the guy finally, he got frustrated with the Pharisees. They kept on asking him these questions and trying to discredit the miracle that Jesus had performed. And, and the guy, if you read it, and if you kind of put a modern application on it, you can almost tell that this guy's getting frustrated with the Pharisees. And basically at the end, he says, listen. Why do you why do you keep asking me this? Why do you why do you not believe me? Listen, I don't know exactly who this guy is, but I know that I was blind and now I see. Why don't you go ask him? Quit quit bugging me. That's that's what happened. I was blind, now I'm not. He healed me. Whatever you want to think, think, you know, that's up to you. But here's here's what happened. You can tell from the he gets starts getting frustrated. Now you can tell somebody you got saved. You say, you know what, listen, all these questions that you're asking me, these deep philosophical theological questions, I might not have the answers for you right now. I can go and I can try to find out those those answers if, if to your questions if you really want to know. But here's what I know, okay? Here was my life before I got saved. I was this and this and this, and I thought this way and all of these things. And then I heard the gospel about Jesus Christ died for my sins and he rose from the dead. And, and that if I trust him as my savior, that I would be saved. And I did that. And guess what? I'm completely different now. 
I mean, you can discredit all of this. You you can you can doubt the Bible. You can all. But here's one thing I know that I had this experience, and I've never been the same. You can at least do that. Now they they can argue and discredit that and, and doubt the Bible and all of those things. But one thing that you have to witness, even if you don't have all, all the Bible knowledge and all the answers, is you have your testimony of salvation. Now, uh, to give you a little bit of encouragement, I remember at this church that I was going to in the past that uh, they had a public ministry where they would go out and, and, and preach and pass out tracts and witness to people. And as a, a new young Christian, I thought, man, that sounds so exciting. And I want to do that eventually, but right now I just don't feel equipped. Because I didn't think that I had enough Bible knowledge. And in my mind, I was really blowing this thing out of proportion. I pictured myself somewhere out on the street corner with somebody trying to debate evolution and atheism and, and all of these philosophical uh, ideas and, and, and just asking me all of these tough, hard questions. And, and I pictured myself there just just embarrassed and red in the face and not able to answer their questions and, and, and they were making a fool out of me. And so I thought to myself, I need about, you know, at least a year to prepare myself because I don't want to go out there and look like a fool and I might be doing harm for the, the gospel and the cause of Christ because here I am trying to witness to people and, they, and I look like a fool and that's going to do more harm than good. I might as well not even go out there if, if, if that's going to happen. And I, so I need about a year to like order all these different books and watch all these debates and just just really just just get get um, grounded and 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 just be able to just fire back like that. <laughs> that was my mindset. See, I exaggerated that that fear, and it I eventually went out a lot sooner than that because they, you know, some of my friends and roommates at the time, they started going and they said how, how exciting it was and what happened and this and that. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll go just to watch, I guess. I mean, I, I can at least do that. And I was nervous and excited at the same time and your adrenaline is rushing and, and we were going out and it was actually in the evening. So that kind of made it a little more exciting. It was in Waikiki. A lot of people out there, and the pastor was preaching on the street corner, and they had scripture signs and a box of gospel tracts, and, and I thought, man, this is really, it was like going to battle. This is, this is really something. And what happened was, I found out I could barely get anybody to talk to me. I could barely get somebody to, that even wanted to engage in an argument or a debate. <laughs> And here I am passing out gospel tracts and and people wouldn't want them and they thought that we were passing out these coupons and stuff like <laughs> to the tourists at Waikiki like they do. And I'd have so many people that they say, no, 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 we already got one from the guy down, down the street. And I said, no, this isn't that. This is something different. Oh, what is this? Oh, this is from our church. It's about a gospel. Oh, we don't live here. We're visiting. They thought we were inviting them to church. I said, no, no, take it with you. I mean, it's from our church, but it's not just about church. It's about the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And some people would take it and some people 
you know, you'd see them on the ground. People would throw them on the ground or people would, no, no, I don't want that. No, I'm good. No. And uh, I remember I would try to engage in a conversation with somebody and I couldn't do that. I mean, nobody even wanted to talk. And so here I was initially thinking that I was unprepared because I thought that people were, all these people, like every other person was just going to start asking me all of these questions that I didn't have the answers to and make me look foolish. And that didn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) And the few times that I would witness to somebody, if they did have a question that I couldn't answer right away, I would go home and I would say, I need to have an answer to this, not just for them, but for myself. And I would study and I would learn. And little by little, I would build up my confidence. So if you if you feel that you're unequipped to witness, it's a little bit of encouragement. Uh, maybe that will provoke you to study more. Amen. And you need to learn, you should learn at least the basics. You should be able to turn to some scriptures in the Bible, uh, even if you have to write them down somewhere, in, you know, in, in one of these blank pages at the beginning or the end of the Bible, just, you know, Romans Road, whatever it is. And just have the basic plan of salvation. Get a and here's one way how I how I started. I would get gospel tracts. I used to collect gospel tracts. I mean, I loved them all kinds. And oh, this one presents it this way, and this one says this way, and this one uses these verses. And and what I would do is I started memorizing the verses of the gospel tracts. Okay, you know here you know Romans three twenty three. You know you have to show them that they're they're a sinner. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. Christ died for your sins, and Christ is the only way. And I'd, I'd, I'd get these different scriptures and say, okay, this is kind of how I need to present it to somebody. And I would memorize, you know, only takes a handful of verses to give somebody the gospel. And, and then I would highlight them in my Bible. And I had this special Bible I would use only for witnessing. And it had all these things highlighted and written down. And that's how I started. And then I would build upon that. I would anticipate skeptics asking questions and and things about atheism and, well, how do you know there's a God and how do you know this and what about this? And I would just build upon that and study the subject of apologetics and I would read books and watch debates and, and think in myself, you know, if I was a skeptic, what, what questions would I ask? And, and I think that every Christian should ask these questions just as a thinking human being with a brain with since this topic is so deep in the implications of it why would you and maybe some of the questions that you had yourself before you were saved and so that's a good starting point uh, number three why do Christians not witness um, some sometimes they don't witness because they fear that they will appear like a hypocrite what I mean by that is they are not living a clean, Christian, separated life. And so if they witness to somebody that, that they know, not a complete stranger that they've never met, but somebody that they know, like a coworker or a relative or somebody, and they know that that person has seen the way that they live, then the person will say, well, wait a minute. Huh? You're trying to t- talk to me about religion and Jesus and well, who are you to talk to me? I mean, look what you were doing just last week. And, and what about this? And what about that? And they start bringing up these things that they know about you and your personal life. 
which may be true, and maybe it was before you were saved, uh, or maybe it is how you are now, which you should not be. And so sometimes there's fear of that because the person knows that they're not living the way they should, or they know that in the future, maybe they're not going to live the way they should. And they feel like, well, you know, if I witness, I mean, I'm, I'm just being a hypocrite. Well, then start living right. So that doesn't happen. Because that is true. There are a lot of Christians who are not living the way they should. They're not living a clean, separated life. I'm not talking about being absolutely sinless. I'm talking about being a consistent, separated Christian like you should, not fellowshipping with the world, not doing all the things that the world does. You should stand out from the crowd. You should be the light shining in the darkness. You should be the salt of the earth. And people that you know, that you um, see and, and associate with on a, on a regular basis, if it's been long enough, they should know, well, this guy's... You know, we we never hear we we never hear this guy cuss. I noticed that. I noticed something about you. You never cuss. I noticed that about you. You know, I've heard people at work say that about me without, you know, not even really knowing much about me. I remember I was I was witnessing to this one guy. And I was telling, you know, he's trying to say, well, he's good. He's good enough and all of this. And he's a good person. And he's going to go to heaven because he's a good person. I said, listen, the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means you. That means me. I said, I needed to get saved because I was on my way to hell and I'm a sinner. He says, you, what do you, what do, you do that's so bad? You don't even cuss. <laughs> well, I did before I got saved, that's for sure. And a lot more things. But see, what I'm saying is that should not be the case for a Christian where he's going to look like a hypocrite if he witnesses to some people. So that's if that's the case, then clean up your life and don't look like a hypocrite. How about this one? Fear of persecution. Now, in the United States, not so much. Now, I there are people, you know, I've heard of people getting fired from their job, like a college professor who who taught creation instead of evolution, or even suggested that it might be a possibility, things like that. Uh, that, But if you go in other countries in the world, then that is a reality. There are people who are being persecuted, beaten, and even killed for their faith. And I can understand that if it is a real genuine fear in the United States here with the religious freedom that we have, even though we, we see that it's being eroded, we still have enough liberty to go out and witness to people whether we shouldn't have the fear of persecution. Now, you might be persecuted in other ways other than being physically persecuted. Uh, how about this one? Why some Christians don't witness indifference? Indifference. They just don't care. They don't have a concern for lost souls. They don't have a burden for lost souls. Just Ah, uh, you know, I'm saved, and, you know, I do my thing, and I go to church, but I don't really like to push it on people, as they say. Everybody has their own beliefs, and that's just a personal thing, a private thing, 
And you know, you know, God can reach them. And I don't, I don't, I, some Christians really, they don't believe in witnessing. They don't believe in evangelizing. Well, you know, we should respect other cultures and other religions, they say. Who are we to say that somebody else is wrong? You ever heard people say that? Yeah. yeah. Do you get that from the Bible? Do you read in the book of Acts? Was that the attitude of Paul and the apostles and Peter and, and John? Did, did, they, did they say, no, we, we should not go and preach to these people. We shouldn't tell them that they're wrong for worshiping these idols because after all, that's their culture. And we should respect other people's beliefs. And we should respect other cultures. And everybody has their own way to God. You ever heard that one? Everybody has their own way. Really? Didn't Jesus say that he was the only way? Amen. What do you mean everybody has their own way to God? Yeah, they might have their own way in their own mind. That doesn't mean God accepts it. How about this one? Laziness. Laziness. Some Christians are too lazy to witness. Oh, well, you know, um, that's not my calling. Oh, there's people, there's other people in the church who do that. That's, you know, for the pastor and, and the deacons and some of the elders, but, but you know, I'm, I haven't been called to the ministry, so that's not my calling to witness. Really? I think in the Bible I read somewhere where people got saved and they all went out and spread the gospel, not just a handful who were called to full-time ministry. Another reason, discouragement. Discouragement. Now, I can relate to that one. It is very easy to get discouraged because you witness and witness and witness and witness and you tell people about the gospel and they, they ridicule you and they make fun of you and they reject the gospel and sometimes you just get so fed up you, and you, we, sometimes we, it's easy to say, you know, we're in the Laodicean age. We're in the last days and people just aren't getting saved like they used to. You read these, these books in history where they had... These evangelists that would come into town and almost the whole town would get saved and there was a revival and you're thinking, man, the Holy Spirit was moving back in, back in those days and like in the book of Acts, all these people just getting saved. They hear Paul preach and, and they all get saved and they repent and they destroy their idols. Man, that would, that would be so wonderful. Maybe, maybe I should go somewhere to Africa or someplace where people are more receptive because here in the United States, they're just so spoiled. They're so hard-hearted. Nobody wants the gospel. Fine. I'm not going to witness. Just let them go to hell. You know, that was the attitude of some of the prophets in the Bible at some point. Jeremiah. Jeremiah said, I'm tired of preaching. I'm tired of it. He said, he said then I said, I will no more Speak in his name. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the ministry. I'm tired of being persecuted. I'm tired of being thrown in jail in the dungeon and, 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 and everybody just ridiculing me and persecuting me. And God, if this is the way that you're going to treat me when I try to preach and live for you, forget it. I quit. I quit the ministry. I'm done with it. And then the Bible says, 
His word was in my heart as a burning fire stirred up in my bones. I was weary with forbearing and I could not stay. There was a point where, where Jeremiah, he told God he was quitting. And then there was a point where he couldn't keep his mouth shut. Remember Jonah? Amen. Jonah was mad that God showed mercy to Nineveh. Jonah wanted God to judge them. Many people have quit the ministry because of discouragement, because of people in the church, because of the church not growing, because people rejecting the gospel for all kinds of reasons. And the Bible says, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. One of the reasons why people get discouraged when it comes to witnessing is because they don't see immediate visible results. And because of that, they think that it's a waste of time. They're not making a difference. They're not having an impact. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Look at verse 6. I have planted Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. When you are witnessing, people getting saved is not your business. It's not your job. Your job is to give out the gospel. Amen. The results are up to God. You cannot force somebody to get saved just like yeah, amen. you cannot force a seed or a plant to grow. You can do everything that is within your own power to hopefully prepare, cause the conditions so that that seed will sprout and grow. You can till the ground, you can plant the seed, you can water it, you can fertilize it, you can do all of those things. And all of those things are within your power. But ultimately, you have no power whether or not that seed sprouts and grows. I have planted all kinds of plants and seeds and everything, and some seeds grow and some don't. And some, some I'm, I'm talking about the same seed of the same plant. Some of them, they will grow almost and sprout almost immediately, and others, they don't, and it'll be maybe a year. And I'll, I'll forget that those seeds are in there and I'll get that dirt and try to recycle the dirt and use it for another plant or something or put it somewhere. All of a sudden, bing, 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 these sprouts are, and I can identify the plant. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, I didn't plant that here. Oh, there was some seeds that were left over that never sprouted and they're left over in that dirt, in that potting soil that I reused for another plant and now here they are and they're coming up. Why didn't they grow the first time? I have no idea. But there they are. And it's like that with the gospel sometimes. Right. You plant seeds. You water the seeds. God gives the increase. Sometimes people get saved right away. Sometimes they might get saved years later. You're supposed to plant the seed. Sometimes you're watering the seed that somebody else planted. I specifically remember one time I, I went into this store and there was this, this young girl, like college age, she was standing outside trying to tell people about what was on sale. And and I remember when I was leaving, I was thinking, I'm going to give her a gospel track. And I remember in my mind, I was thinking, you know, she's she's not going to be interested. I mean, 
the way she was dressed and presenting herself, just like just your typical college student, just, you know, looked like she had been indoctrinated by the world just by looking at her. And I thought, you know, she, she's not going to be interested. I said, but, but so what? I'm still going to give it to her. And when I gave it to her, oh, what is this? Uh, and, and, I, and she said that she was a backslidden Christian. And that that gospel track was convicting her because she had been out of church for a long time. And she said, I need to get back into church. And I remember walking away thinking, yeah, yeah, there you go. You see, you were this close to just passing her by and just because the way she looked. And that has happened so many times where there's somebody that you... You think, ah, you know, I'm, I'm going to save the track for somebody else that looks like they're, they'll be more receptive. Because this is just going to be a wasted gospel track on this person. I mean, look at them. Right? How many of you ever thought that? And then you still give it to them and all of a sudden, wow, I wasn't expecting that. They were interested in, in asking me questions and talking and nice and friendly. And I thought they were just going to throw it away or cuss me out or something. And you see, so you never know. And it's not, that's not your job to get people saved. It's your job Amen. to give them the seed, give them the word. Now, the Bible says, he that winneth souls is wise. The Bible says, he that winneth souls is wise. Let me give you, in closing, some practical tips about witnessing. I've already given you some, but a few more. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Soul winning, in a lot of ways, is like fishing. That's what Jesus compared it to. And in fishing, you think about fishing, sometimes you have to use different types of bait, different types of fish. Sometimes, you know, you have to move to a different spot because the fish aren't biting where you are, things like that. Jesus said, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Some Christians, they are not an effective witness because they, are, they just don't use any common sense. They don't have any people skills. They're not polite. I, I remember I had one guy, real zealous. God didn't know a whole lot about the Bible, but really zealous and always witnessing to people, but always doing it the wrong way. In fact, he got fired because at the hotel I worked at, he got fired because he kept harassing the Mormons, telling them they worship the devil. <laughs> I mean, the, the guy would like talk to anybody and everybody, bold as a lion, but dumb as a donkey. <laughs> and I remember we were walking around and I had some tracks and he wanted some tracks. And so we both had tracks and we're just, we weren't going out solely to go witnessing, but we were out just running errands or going out to eat or something. And I remember there's this one place that was they serve like fish tacos or something one of these places where it's like a real casual indoor outdoor like they have tables um outside by the patio or something and there's this one lady by herself sitting there reading a book and we're walking and he i couldn't believe it he got a gospel tract and almost like threw it on the table as we're walking by and he says here read this instead and just walked away I thought, what was that? I said, what did you, why did you, I said, picture if you were there reading a book and somebody just threw a pamphlet on the table and said, here, read this instead and, and just walked away, what would you think? I said, you've got to use some 
common sense, man. Use some wisdom. He says, well, well, teach me. <laughs> I thought, I don't know if I can. <laughs> See, people just, if you don't have that much common sense intact, I mean, gee, teach you how to talk to people? I mean, I said, okay, listen. Okay, here's what you do. Next time, I say, say, excuse me, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I see you're, you're reading a book there, and you, uh, it looks like you like to read. I was wondering if I could leave this with you, and maybe you could read this on your spare time or something, something from our church, and, you know, something like that. I mean, just use some common sense. Uh, okay, what about your approach? You know, one of the hardest parts about witnessing one-on-one -on -one to somebody, unless it's like a complete stranger, is the initial initial opening. I for me personally, I don't know about you. But I'll you know, especially like if a coworker says, Hey, can you know are you going that way? Can you give me a ride home? I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll give you a ride home. I'm thinking, okay, I'm gonna be with this guy in the car for, you know, 10, 15 minutes. You gotta you should witness to him, right? I'm thinking, okay. So how do I how should I start? Me, right? I mean that's sometimes for real. I mean, I'm thinking, you know, if I just say, so, where are you going to go when you die? You know? <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, you have to, you want to get to that point, but but how do you start before you get to that point? Because if that's your opening, the guy's like, whoa, whoa, what, what, where did that come from? What? You know, it's like a shock. And Jesus said, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Amen. And so I'll, I'll tell you, just recently when I was giving this guy a ride home, I'm thinking, okay, I need to witness to this guy. And, you know, we're talking about work and stuff that, you know, doesn't really matter. I, I got to, like, how do I get in there, you know, like a serpent, just, you know, and, and, and I don't, I don't want to be dishonest. You know, I, I really want to witness to this guy, but I don't want it to be just like a slap in the face. And so what should I, how should I do this? And so sometimes... I will listen to them, and when they bring something up, and if it's just something just remotely spiritual or moral or something, then I'm like, ooh, okay, there's there's an opening. Now I'm going to use that because he's already kind of started the conversation, and I'm going to steer it a certain direction so it's it's more natural. And so here's one thing that I did, and, and uh, it was a Saturday night. Next day, Sunday, I said, so, you know, tomorrow's, tomorrow's Sunday, you're going to go to church? And that was my opening. Now, that's a little bit of a softer opening. It's more subtle. And I'm not all of a sudden saying, so, you know, um, are you going to, where are you going to go when you die? And this and this, that, and just, you know, it's a little softer. And he says, he said, no, how about you? I said, yeah, I'm going to church. Oh, what church do you go to? See, there, bam, you have an opening. Now he's, asked, now he's asking questions. Now he's talking about spiritual things. You, I, I initiated it with a subtle question, and it wasn't salvation. It was just going to church, and now he's talking. He didn't shut off. He didn't completely change the, the conversation. Some people will. You know, you throw out a little bit of bait. Oh, so now he's asking questions. Oh, what church do you go to? This and that. They said, I go there. Oh, yeah. And then he says, then I said, uh, did you, you, you used to go to church when you were younger? You know, and I'm not like drilling him. It's just a friendly 
casual conversation. Oh, uh, yeah, I used to go to Mormon church, this and that, but not anymore. I have an uncle. He goes to such and such church, and he's 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 real Christian. What kind of, or I used to go to Catholic church. And then he asked me, what kind of church do you go to? Oh, you're, you're Christian, right? See, and so I go with it. And then I, what you want to do is bring them to the cross. Find out what they believe, bring them to the cross. So then we start talking. And then now that he's talking about and he's asking questions, now I can get a little more specific. And it got to the point where I asked him, so what do you think happens when somebody dies? Oh, you know, I'm not sure. Um, you know, I used to think about that and, and, you know, maybe this. And then he says, how about you? What do you think? Ah, see, he's carrying on the, he's asking me questions. And so when I start witnessing to him, it's not like I'm just out of the blue, just start pounding him. I'm answering his questions. So it's, it's a lot more natural and comfortable and it flows a lot better. And so I start saying, well, the Bible says, okay, it doesn't matter what I think. I say, well, the Bible says this and this and this and that. And I start, and then, and then I'm, so I'm witnessing and I'm thinking, okay, I need to like back off a little bit. It, this is just me thinking I should back off a little bit. Let him, let him breathe a little bit, you know, because, you know, we, uh, oh, my plan, I have a strategy. I want to, you know, you know, talk to him a little bit more, but, but, you know, I'm going to back off a little bit and see if he's still interested. And I backed off a little bit and we talked about something else. And then he said, you know, that's, that's really interesting. I never really thought about it that way. And I said, what, what's that? What you were saying about when people, when somebody dies, I thought, Oh, okay then. See, so I'm kind of gauging and feeling out the conversation. I'm just, this is just one incident. I'm not saying you have to do this every time. I'm just giving you personal experience. That's good. Because some people are very, it's very difficult sometimes because they want to wait to somebody, but they're not really sure how to go about that initial approach. And it can be kind of awkward sometimes. Yeah. So you have to feel out the situation. Now, if you're going door to door, you don't have time to, you know, start talking about all kinds of things and try to ease into it. Sometimes you have to be just direct, you know, and at least now I have found that with a gospel track, that is a good, good introduction because it can act as a conversation piece. Somebody, you know, at the grocery store or whatever, you say, oh, by the way, can I give you this to read? This is something from our church. Oh, what is this about? And then you can start talking about the gospel. And it's a little bit more of, of an of a introduction with a gospel track. So anyway, when, when the guy, when, when I dropped him off and I had tracks with me in the car, which is always a good idea, I said, so you know what? Yeah, what we were talking about, this and that. The, here, can I give you this pamphlet to take with you? Because this explains more about what we were talking about. You know, how Jesus died for your sins and things like that. And so um, a few more things I would like to leave with you is when you are witnessing to somebody, try to find out what they believe. Because then you know what you're up against. In the Bible, Paul never wasted his time trying to convince the Jews about the existence of God. Why? They already believed in God. He tried to convince them that Jesus Christ was the Messiah and the Savior. When he preached to the Gentiles who were idolaters, he appealed to the creation, trying to convince them that there's only one true God who created everything. You need to find out what they believe and then go from there and try to bring them to the cross. I would also say this. I never 
try to get somebody saved unless I can convince them that they are lost. Yeah. I don't see any point in trying to get somebody to pray the sinner's prayer or or even or get saved or receive Christ as their savior if they are not convinced that they are lost. What is the point? That's why we have so many false conversions because people were never lost to begin with before they got saved. And then you want, you want to bring them to obviously to the cross uh, would be the, the end result. So I hope that those things were encouraging for you. I uh, hope those things would um, provoke you to be a better witness for Christ, to have the desire to go out and reach people with the gospel. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the gospel, for salvation, for dying for our sins. I pray that everybody here would be a witness for you, that they would spread the gospel, that they would have a burden for lost souls, that they would not allow any of these these excuses and hindrances to prevent them from doing what they should do, and that we would use use wisdom and, and have the right motives, that uh, we would be, as the Bible says, um, uh, gentle unto all men, uh, apt to teach, and use uh, humility and, and patience, and, and uh, reach people with the gospel so that they would be saved. In Jesus' name, amen.